You're listening to the Pain Matters Podcast, presented by the American Academy of Pain Medicine, the nation's leading podcast for healthcare providers, focused on providing the best care today, tomorrow, and beyond. Each episode, we'll share the latest innovations and practical applications that directly impact how we care for patients and measure success in multidisciplinary care. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Dr. Shravni Durbakula, anesthesiologist and interventional pain physician at the Johns Hopkins Hospital, as well as the creator and host of PainRounds.org. I am so excited to have my good friend and mentor here with me today, Dr. Yash Navalgund. Yash is the co-founder, medical director, and a board member of National Bioskills Laboratories. These are innovative surgical training facilities with locations in San Francisco, Dallas, and Pittsburgh. Yash also curated a successful seven-site pain practice that he just recently sold. This was the highest volume private practice group in Pittsburgh, with over 3,500 patient encounters per month. He is currently the Director of Physician Education at National Spine and Pain Centers, the largest consolidation of private pain centers in the United States, and he is current faculty at West Virginia University at the Rockefeller Neuroscience Institute. Welcome, Yash, to our show. Thank you, Shravani. It's a pleasure to be here. So today we're going to focus on Yesh's incredibly innovative surgical training labs that I was actually super lucky to visit with my fellows during my first year as an attending physician at Johns Hopkins. So I really expected that this was going to be the usual cadaver lab experience in a dingy basement where I was smelling formaldehyde and kind of just getting through it so I could get out. But instead, I walked into this super inviting lounge with gourmet food and pool tables and couches, and I was truly confused. Um, If I didn't see Yesh, I probably would have thought that I was in the wrong building, and I wasn't exactly sure where the dead bodies were housed. So, Yash, tell me a little bit more about these labs that you own. Yeah, uh, that experience uh, that you just described seems to be a a fairly common experience amongst people that visit the facilities because they don't really realize that it's a uh, cadaver training center. And that really was spawned on the idea that uh, over the years, even when I was training, I had realized that a lot of the uh, facilities where these trainings took place were places that were not necessarily of the, the highest caliber. Um, and again, the reason that they were that way was, was because they were in the business of working on cadavers. And so what I found was is that there was a gap in this uh, teaching paradigm in that there really wasn't a luxury brand per se in terms of uh, cadaver training. And, and I really felt that as physicians come into a warm, inviting environment, there's a more relaxed atmosphere and the training uh, becomes substantially better, as well as the vendors themselves have a place to interact with their physicians. And so I felt that this was something that was missing in our current training. And so I proceeded to uh, create these facilities. Well, this is definitely a disruptive concept. So you're taking these labs, which historically have been like your Marriott courtyard and turning them into the four seasons, luxury concierge experience. So I have to ask, like, how do you go to a bank and say, please give me funding to create a luxury cadaver lab brand? I mean, you probably got some really interesting responses. Oh, to say the least, uh, there was a few of the banks that just closed the door on us because it was uh, uh, too uh, out of the norm for them. 
uh, a couple of banks entertain the idea and actually pose some bizarre questions about do you ever fear that they're the cadavers come to life and there's zombies in there and things like that and so uh, it was a very odd experience to go through but fortunately we ended up with uh with a bank that was uh, uh very intrigued by the concept and i think the real selling uh point was that the industry exists and there it exists for a reason uh, and the idea was is to take the industry and elevate it to another level of sort of luxury branding and i think that really struck uh the bank as as an interesting concept that was worth uh loaning money for so it's really companies right who are using your facilities so tell me a little bit about that and how do these labs enhance education in the current regulatory environment yeah i mean uh you know it really comes down to the fact that innovation in medicine particularly in pain medicine uh has exceeded our ability to educate our physicians. Uh, we simply can't keep up with it. You could finish your fellowship today and know dozens of high-end interventional procedures and feel like you are really well-equipped and within two months, something new will come out on the market. And it's just impossible to be able to learn everything that's out there at the pace that it's growing. And I think what that affords us the ability to do is, is work with a lot of these uh, device manufacturers and vendors to present their products in a way that physicians can have a hands-on experience and then use that experience to see how they can apply it to better care for their patients. Right. So you are kind of taking care of some of the comp clients issues. And I'm sure there are lots of legal issues that these companies have to think about when they bring in physicians to learn about things. And essentially, you're creating this sort of concierge style service. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, why the concierge model uh, is so beneficial is, is that these, uh, you know, as physicians, we all know how much regulatory red tape that we have to work with. Um, anti-kickback statutes, Stark laws, all these things you hear words about and, and kind of have a vague idea, uh, but all these things uh, are, are very difficult to navigate. And I think that's one more layer that, that these uh, companies have to deal with. Uh, when you provide a, uh, a highly regulated environment and you provide the concierge service necessary, uh, to make sure that the um, companies can remain compliant uh, with their training and education. It just adds a, a, another level to the uh, uh, service. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm curious, when I came to your lab, I believe that was the first lab and it was in Pittsburgh. It was in a really nice part of downtown. And then I heard, I think you told me we're opening up in San Francisco, like in a week. And yeah. I was thinking, well, that sounds like a nice place to go. And then you said Dallas was the other one. And so how did you pick these locations and what kind of thought process went into that? Yeah, there's uh, a, a lot of factors that, that play into it. Um, you know, uh, proximity to uh, healthcare providers is one. Um, ease of access in and out of the, the, the cities uh, is another. Uh, even locations within the cities make a huge, huge difference. Uh, when there's uh, uh, large organizations, uh, companies that uh, host these events, they're very complicated events. It's like almost planning weddings. 
when it comes to the complexity, because you've got a whole group of individuals coming from a variety of different locations. You got to bring them into a single location. You got to make sure you maintain all of the regulatory and compliance necessary to bring those individuals in. And at the end of the day, you still have to be able to educate them on the actual product that's available and allow them to, uh, to think about how they would use it and then interact with their other physician colleagues as well. So uh, it, it, it is uh, a quite, quite the, the task to get all this accomplished. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a lot to navigate. And that kind of speaks to the question of, you know, why can't one of these larger companies like Medtronic or someone just go out and build this themselves? Well, you know, uh, and they do. Many of the companies do have facilities. They're usually hovering around their headquarters and, and for various business reasons, it makes sense to, to keep things close. Uh, but I think what you realize is that physicians, particularly now, you know, post-pandemic, uh, we've got uh, uh, people that don't necessarily want to travel as far or don't want to get on uh, flights to travel as far. And so, uh, you know, having regional uh, uh, laboratories uh, and having easy access to get to those laboratories uh, really adds to the convenience. And ultimately, it's the physicians that need to use this hands-on approach, try the products themselves, and make decisions for their patients based on what their experiences are. Yeah, it makes sense. And so the other thing we've been seeing is these kind of sophisticated synthetic mannequins in trainings. There are ones that are created actually just for the pain space. And then there are ones that are created for other areas of medicine. So what do you think of learning on human cadavers versus these mannequins versus maybe even VR training on surgery and procedures? You know, and you bring up a great point and, and it's a spectrum. So it's not a uh, binary sort of decision, uh, synthetic versus cadaver, because if you really think about it, what better environment than on a live patient to really get a feel for how a uh, product responds or reacts? Well, the next best thing is a fresh frozen cadaver specimen. And then you've got synthetics as well. And I think that there are some procedures that really require a lot of repetitive muscle memory, things like that. Those products are very well served in this synthetic environment where you could practice over and over and over until that muscle memory is in place. Then you can move to a cadaver specimen after that to get comfortable with the texture and the pressure and the tissue and all those things that can't necessarily be uh, reproduced exactly the same. And so uh, VR, again, it's creating awareness and then creating that muscle memory, knowing which step to take at which time and things like that. Uh, and VR could be uh, conducted in the convenience of your own office or your home or, you know, what have you. And so there's a, there's a uh, space for all of this. It just, it just really comes down to how well you utilize it along that spectrum. Love it. And hopefully in the future, we'll really see fellowship programs and even industry really bridging all of these various techniques to create a comprehensive kind of experience. Obviously, nothing is going to be the same as working on a real patient, but we want to get people as close to that real patient experience as possible. And I agree that kind of bridging all these techniques is definitely the way to go. So I have been dying to ask you, have you ever had a Halloween party in your life? I. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to have to not lie and say yes. Um, a couple of years after we uh, 
after we uh, had the first facility up and running, uh, we actually invited uh, the uh, the banking executives and uh, various other uh, uh, business entities, including the uh, uh, corporate and compliance uh, law firm uh, as well, and uh, invited them to a party at the facility. And it was Halloween, and um, many of them had reservations about showing up, but were very pleasantly surprised when they arrived to a uh, a very five star uh, atmosphere, and uh, and were really confused about you know whether this was really used as a cadaver lab or not. So no real cadavers at the party. No, okay. no. Okay, okay, that's good. But the symbolism is is probably enough. And I do, I sincerely wonder if your cadavers are like waking up in the middle of the night and having dinner and parties and, you know, who knows what happens there, right? At three right. And, and, and if they are, they're certainly in the best environment. <laughs> That's right. They're at the Four Seasons. So with that, yes, you know, thank you so much for being here. I think that was just awesome to hear your really unique uh, and innovative experience. Thanks to the AAPM for this podcast. Stay tuned next time to hear from physician entrepreneur, Dr. Amol Soin, who successfully brought a drug to market. That is a huge accomplishment. Yes, I know that you know Amol personally. Yeah, Samuel is somebody that if you have not met or do not know, you must do so. Uh, he's an extraordinary physician as well as an extraordinary entrepreneur. And I certainly am looking forward to that podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again and see you all soon. Thanks for listening to the Pain Matters Podcast. If there's anything we mentioned in today's show you missed, don't worry. We take the notes for you at painmed.org slash podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, please consider pressing the subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss a future episode. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review to help us reach and educate even more of our peers in pain medicine.